Support for The Startup Life is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Startup Nation, personal grooming is super important, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but also from a confidence one as well. And that is why you need to have a tight haircut and, well, a nice groomed undercarriage as well. And when doing that, you don't want to use the same razor, do you? That's just absurd. And this is why our friends at Manscaped have given you another option. Introducing the all-new Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. This lightweight and waterproof razor features precision engineered blades for safe trimming in sensitive areas and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Ladies, Father's Day is just around the corner and this will make a perfect gift for that guy on the go. Use code the Startup Life in all caps for 20% off and free shipping on your brand new Lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other products from manscaped.com as well. So for proper manscaping without the fear of hurting anything, go with Manscaped. Trust me, your family of jewels will thank you. It's time to be about that life. The startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, you want to know why I love talking to entrepreneurs? It's because, like, their stories are just so amazing. Like, you know, when you hear the, you know, the challenges and the adversity and rising through it, it's just always super inspiring. We have a serial entrepreneur on today that's going to help us out. Uh, share that story and kind of share with us a little bit of that advice. He is, uh, you know, a, a person who cut his teeth in construction, working his way up at the age of 16. He is the co-founder, president and CEO of Build, a disruptive payment solution for the construction industry that helps contractors and suppliers grow their business with less hassle and risk. He is my man, Christopher Doyle. C. Doyle. What's up, man? What's up, Dominic? Thanks for having me on. No worries. No worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today? It's something we ask all of our guests when they come on. I... I don't know about that. I'll, I'll talk. How's that? Gotcha. Let's just figure that out. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. So man, let's get started. If you would, man, just kind of share your origin story and your background a little bit, if you don't mind me asking. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm from Houston, Texas, and, and growing up, um, you know, first job, actually, before 16, before I could technically legally work, uh, I jumped into construction, uh, framing houses. Some some of my buddies were doing it. It was uh, it's a good way to get a tan and uh, get a good workout because you're carrying, you know, uh, 20-foot 2 by 12s you know, from the front of the, the lot to, the, to yeah. the garage. Yeah, so it ended up being a great, and it paid cash every week. So ended up being a great, you know, high school and, and summer job, and uh, you know went to Texas A&M here in, in Texas. And um, when I graduated, I joined a, a home builder, and so just really always found myself navigating in into construction. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, uh, after business school, I had been a little bit more involved in the finance world. I, I joined a startup uh, called Dividend Finance. They were a consumer finance company uh, based out of San Francisco. And was responsible for uh, their contractor management and, and sales, and uh, really like like channel management. Um, really started to see the uh, convergence of my skill set, which was heavy on the finance side, but also um, real hand you know uh, hands on construction experience. Right. And um, I just found that there was a lot of just generally. Um, misunderstanding of construction by the capital markets and specifically in like debt providers gotcha. uh, where, um, you know, Wall Street uh, type mentality is saying, look, these guys are, are super risky. This isn't the kind of um, borrower that we like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's become a little bit more active with a lot more small business lending uh, out there now with, the, you know, cabbages and behalf and on decks of the world. Uh, but still, construction has always been um, traditionally like a very risky lending space. Gotcha. And, um, you know, I just thought that if you if you face it head on and you know your customer very well um, and you know their unique challenges, that this is actually a, a one of the um, uh, best places for lending because 
the, the payment structure, while very slow, um, is still predictable and dependable. Gotcha. Um, so what we did at Build was develop a product um, that is the, the big pain point in construction is when do I get paid, right? Right. When do I get paid? But oh, by the way, I've got to buy the buy the material. I've got to do the work. Then I've got to submit my my pay application, and then I've got to wait another sixty days to get paid. So that that's uh, a big struggle. And so we, you know, build. We we really look to solve that problem by um, spanning the gap between what we do is material purchase financing. So gotcha. if a customer needs to buy their material. Um, we allow them to purchase from any supplier that they would, uh, you know, normally purchase from. And this is in commercial construction. So right. parking garages, high schools, retail centers, stadiums, you know, we do really everything. Gotcha. Um, they can purchase that material through us and provide 120 day terms. Gotcha. So instead of their normal 30 day terms that they would get through a supplier, now they have that extended amount of time and flexibility. Uh, so that way when they do get paid on the project, which is generally about a hundred days out, um, then they can repay us, and this allows them to take on more projects and just generally have a lot more flexibility in the cash flow. Got you. So, I know that was a lot. That was a, that was more than the story, but it was also <laughs> it's the all good. A little bit. It's all good. <laughs> no. no, it's all good. Thank you for sharing all that. I actually want to ask a follow up question on all that because I, I want to ask you this because I, I know by you. You know, always kind of, you know, been working in, in construction ever since you were 16 and and navigating uh, the construction space and stuff like that. That kind of gives you a, a different type of vantage point when you're talking about, you know, uh, investing and, and uh, cash flow and stuff like that for construction. I want to ask you this. What is it that Wall Street, when they say that it's a risky proposition and stuff like that, what is it that Wall Street misses that you have to kind of fill in the gaps for? Yeah, it's not so much that they miss anything. It's that it doesn't it doesn't fit traditional underwriting boxes. Gotcha. Okay. Right? So Got it. If, if you're looking at a, a normal um, lending scenario uh, with a, with a business, you're looking at um, you know how much cash do they have, what's the average balances, um, wh- what is it that they're purchasing? Does it make the business more more profitable? Like if it's an equipment, right? Right. Um, is it an asset that I can that they can um, take possession of in the event of a default? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it like a blanket line of credit, which you could go to really anything. And the problem is um, construction subcontractors, they don't have any money in the bank. The cash flow is always a problem. Their right. businesses may be worth a lot, but they're not holding on to 500, 600K all the time, right. you know, uh, like a traditional business potentially would have access to through a line of credit. Right. They're, they're essentially always... Uh, it, with a very low amount of cash. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not profitable, and it doesn't mean that they're not successful and strong businesses. It's just they have low cash balances. Uh, we see that across the board with all of our businesses. Um, and the reason they have low cash balances is because of the cash flow problem. You know, they're constantly having to put more and more out, and then they have this like delay in getting getting paid. So I, I think that's the biggest issue. Um, the other is, uh, you know. Um, there are certainly a lot of new businesses that don't have the track record that, that Fair enough. Um, traditional lenders w- would want to see, uh, especially when you talk about the smaller uh, subcontractors. Mm-hmm. But you know these are th- these guys at least that we you know our customers um, they're on like very uh, sophisticated construction projects. Right, this isn't someone that just you know bought a, a, a new piece of equipment says okay I want to be a contractor now right I and mean, these are folks that have been in the industry 15 20 years sometimes they did they have just started out um, you know were able to wrangle up a hundred thousand or so worth of equipment and, and start doing like major construction projects so um, these are sophisticated guys right, right. and so uh, we look at it as and they're working with a lot of the you know top general contractors in the country on big projects and they're from a lending standpoint, there's there's a lot of protection there for us. If we just accept what they are, Mm -hmm. we accept the fact that they're going to have low cash balances. Sometimes they're new businesses, personal credit sometimes may not be there because they're having to finance their own business. Right. But we, we will look at it at the project level and say this, this contractor is going to get paid on this. Uh, And that's the way we look at it. Uh, Very different than like a traditional bank uh, lender would. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this, you know, you know, given our our new 
you know, uh, circumstances with this global pandemic and stuff like that. What is what is construction looking like these days? I know around here uh, in, in Memphis, Tennessee, it doesn't seem like construction has kind of really slowed or anything. So what are you seeing as a, you know, as uh, the market kind of continues with construction and building and, and getting that financing over to subcontractors and things of the like? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think that you, you probably, most folks have not seen a slowdown. Um, there are like, there are certainly some projects that are on hold right? Uh, due to more safety issues probably than economic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to say there aren't many on hold due to economic issues. Um, more than likely the construction, the commercial construction sector isn't going to see a, a real slowdown. In, in, I would imagine a year or two from now. The the big issue that we have is um, uh, commercial uh, like office space, and with uh, one um, a segment of businesses that are just going out of business, and they're they're being evicted from their space. Mm. Right, so the property owners, so there's going to be excess supply in commercial office space, and then so why would you why would you continue to build to commercial office space? Uh, the other is if you know, obviously they work from home, right? A lot of these businesses have this enlightenment. They go, well, shoot, why, why do we even have offices? We can do this remotely and save ourselves on that rent. So with those two things combined, um, you can pretty much guarantee that com- uh, commercial office space, new construction is going to see a slowdown uh, from what would be like speculative building. Um, but outside of that, you know, that could be overcome by additional government um, construction, right? Gotcha. Uh, infrastructure work, um, you know, even like local municipality projects, um, mm-hmm. you know, normal, like your high school, middle school type. Um, I think you'll see a slowdown for universities okay. um, because, you know, higher education has been a construction boom for the last, you know, 15 years. Gotcha. Um, and as you see, you know, I'm, I don't follow closely higher education economics, but I would imagine you're going to see um, some uh, reduction in enrollments, uh, and they're just their own use of, of the facilities. Right. Um, so you might see a, a slowdown there. Right. Uh, outside of that, I don't expect anything major. Uh, you know, from our standpoint, though, I mean, we're we're just we're still fairly small and nimble. Um, so any Unless it's a major catastrophic 15% kind of decline, which I, I don't see at all ever happening, um, then then we're fine just because we're so small. Gotcha. Um, and then there might be regional issues uh, where a particular state, uh, what have you, just has a tougher time with um, what we're going through from an economic standpoint uh, than, than others. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I actually want to ask a follow-up question, but before I do that, I want to talk about your website. Startup Nation, if you're in the construction space and you're a supplier or a subcontractor or, or something like that, make sure you check out Build. That's B-I-L-L-D.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. I want to ask you this because I'm on your website right now. And you have this tagline that says, quote, winning the bid is hard enough. Paying for materials shouldn't be, end quote, which I absolutely agree with. But, you know, you were talking about getting like government contracts and municipalities and stuff like that. And I know and you talk about how there's a lot of different kind of new uh, people in the construction space, subcontractors and stuff like that. And they're still trying to figure all this stuff out. And they're mm-hmm. always trying to like get those government contracts and stuff like that. Cause that's, that's kind of where the big money is a lot of times in construction. Let me ask you this. What is some of that advice that you would give somebody who's trying to go after a, a government contract and they're in that construction space? Yeah. So from a government standpoint, it's a little bit different because right. you know, in the private space, you're able to build relationships, right? Right. right? You, you might go take that first project at a loss and say, I'm going to go kill this project. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to impress the superintendent and project manager. And then I'm going to, I'm going to get on, you know, the next two or three of theirs with government. It's, it's different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can do a fantastic job, but that doesn't really do anything for you the next, next time around because gotcha. of the public procurement process. Gotcha. And, um, so, you know, to, to get those, I don't know if you would call them lucrative government contracts. <laughs> I'm enough. sure that, that, that exists in other areas, but, to get the probably the more stable 
um, whether it's a one-time project or an ongoing like um, um, maintenance style project, mm-hmm. then uh, you know you really have to have to have a um, I would say slightly sophisticated bidding and estimating process. Gotcha. And uh, these public uh, procurement opportunities come up everywhere, so you really have to track them closely. Right. And you know, there's lots of uh, services out there that help you identify um, opportunities that fit your scope. But having a a, a clear um, proposal process that presents your your estimate and price really well. Uh, shows a lot of credibility. Uh, it can be, it is certainly time consuming, but to the extent you have the resources to bring someone in that has that experience, that's really the best way to penetrate those markets. It takes so much time that if you're a business owner, you know, a lot of our customers, uh, the business owner themselves are the ones that bid the projects. So they, they're out in the field all, you know, they get up in the morning, normally like, you know, five or six in the morning, get their crews out at six thirty-seven. Right. Then they do some off office work and then they're you know in their truck driving to the two or three projects they have going on for the day. And then they get back, um, you know, five or six o'clock at night and then they bid projects. Well, they take care of any billing or any of that kind of administrative work and then they start bidding projects. Right. So they are they are grinding away. And to do something like that on a government, you, you're likely going to have shortcuts and it's not going to show. Um, that credibility that you're looking for. So right. I, I would say really investing in that, that bidding process is very important. Gotcha. Thank you. You know what? Thank you for sharing that because the thing is like, you know, we have a lot of people who are, you know, necessarily, you know, they start businesses and stuff like that. And maybe they're in the construction business, stuff like that. But that nuance between like, you know, the, the private type of procurement, you know, uh, uh, you know, process as opposed to like a government or municipality process. Like, you know, I'm glad you showed that juxtaposition between the two. When you talked about one is about like, you know, it's just pretty much straightforward and it doesn't really matter if you do a, a, a great job and stuff like that. And the other one's about like building relationships and building that rapport and stuff like that. So thank you for that juxtaposition. Cause I think that's one of those nuances when it comes to construction or even just business as a whole, like people don't really know about it. And it's like, you don't really know until you actually jump into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I've done a, a significant amount of business on both sides. Right. And I think the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm. You know, you're doing government work and you're going, man, I wish I could do this private stuff. You know, I don't have to chase so hard. And when I build that relationship, I can I can extract margin out of that, right? Because right. I do a good job. I take care of my customer and they, they're willing to pay a higher price uh, for that reliability and quality. Um now, when you're on on the other, which you don't really get in public procurement, it's just tough to do that. Right. Um, but if you're doing all private work, you're going, man, I love that predictable nat- nature of government work. Yeah. And and those those contracts must be you know must be super fat, and they get you know two three million dollars worth of ongoing work. Like this is fantastic. It, it takes. It's almost like you should just pick one because yeah, to try to do both, they really are different skill sets from a um, business development and how you get your, you know, sales, how you get your business, right. but also the back end stuff like government work is a real pain in the ass, mm. you know, um, it, you know, whether it's a local municipality or federal job, there's just like lots of different things that you have to abide by. Right. Um, and if you don't have that, that set up, it's just like not even worth it. You know, you know, really focus your time on your private work and just really ignore all your public work or, or vice versa. Right. Right. And I imagine uh, a lot of times in the, the the municipality, if you were to go to that route, there's a lot because you talked about a lot of stuff that's kind of like, you know, whatever. I imagine in that route, there's a lot of times where the people who are making the decision aren't really familiar with that space. And in this case, construction. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, that's that's another point uh, from uh, how how to get more government work is, you know, a lot of these government officials or, or representatives I mean, the procurement teams are the ones generally making the t- decision. And, right. and oftentimes there's a, a panel they're reviewing and scoring and things like that, but getting ahead of opportunities and educating them, um, really having influence on the RFP. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's, that's the gold from a public procurement standpoint. If you're, if you're going after public projects, cause you can, you can have that influence up front and educate them how they should evaluate contractors, how they should 
um, lit, you know, define the scope of work and the RFP. Right. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, um, if you can get that kind of influence, uh, you, you very much uh, better your chances of getting the, getting the project. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top-20 marketing podcast in seven countries, so clearly you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Stoutermation, you're in good hands with my girl, CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. Oralex powers this episode of the Startup Life. Startup Nation, as a podcaster, radio host, and business owner, I know a thing or two about the need for your message to come through clearly to your target audience. The last thing you want when trying to close a big deal over the phone or giving a sales presentation in your conference room is to have the person you are talking to be distracted by either the fact that you sound like you're in a warehouse or an outside noise like a fire truck. Trust me, Startup Nation. I know this all too well from experience. And that is why Oralex has your back. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products that you can trust in a commercial space or at home. Better office acoustics improves intelligibility when video conferencing or generic conversation reduces stress and helps build a proactive work atmosphere. From a home studio for my content creators to your office space downtown, your gear performs better in an acoustically treated room. Trust me, you are in good hands with Oralex as they are the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. Also, you can download the Oralex Acoustic Treatment mobile app in the Apple or Google Play Store to give you specifically designed and instantaneous recommendations for various room types. Go to Oralex.com and use the promo code STARTUP in all caps for 10% off your entire order. The link is there in the show notes if you are listening to the replay on the podcast. So if you are ready to stop sounding like you're having a sales meeting in a sports arena, go with Oralex. Professional audio made simple. Tresta powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're offering a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. 
Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Christopher Doyle, president, uh, co-founder, president and CEO of Build. So, you know, and we have a link there in the show notes of you listening to the replay on the podcast. I want to ask you this, Chris. So kind of walk me through the process. Uh, let's say uh, I'm a contractor. I'm looking for some funding to get some stuff, get materials and stuff like that. Walk me through the onboarding process of Build. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, at, from a contractor standpoint, it's it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So you start really by going to the website, and there's an enroll uh, button right there on, on the website. Uh, it it takes you know less than five minutes to enroll your business, um, and then you uh, essentially just drag and drop a, a material quote uh, from your supplier, and, and we do the rest. Mm. Um, so. Uh, we identify the supplier. We'll reach out to them if we're not already working with them. Uh, we'll arrange payment. Um, and um, we really do all of that. So it makes it, you know, outside of the flexibility of, of terms, uh, it makes it really, really easy for, for contractors to um, to purchase material. Because like I mentioned before, um, a lot of these guys are business owners. They're out in the trucks all day, driving tra- job site to job site. They don't even have time to connect with the supplier and go, let's go through this review. Let's, uh, okay, is it scoped out right? Do you have sales tax? What's the shipping? Any of that. Um, they're just like, I need this paid because I need this real tomorrow. So we do same day turnaround on account approvals, on purchase uh, uh, approvals. Our, our company is built to um, react very, very quickly. This isn't a situation like traditional lending where you submit your you know, five page application with audited financials and right. bank statements and this and that. Now we, the way we're structured is we do everything on the back end. Why ask a customer to do something that you can do for them? Mm. Why do I, the only thing we really need is their tax ID, right? Yeah. Why do I need to have them fill this and that out? I know what it is. We can figure that out. We can go to the website. We can, we can see what their phone number, their address, these kinds of things. Um, so that's, that's the approach we take in everything to make the, the manual process for them very, very simple. And, you know, when we get these quotes, like we, we know a thing or two about construction. So the other thing that we do is, you know, we're taking a look to say, is this right? You know, is this not so much as just a good price? Cause that's, that's really not our expertise to always be looking at SKUs and going, is this, is this the right price for this? But oftentimes we'll see things like, um, in the, in the footnote, uh, you know, two and a half percent cash discount. Well, guess what? We're paying up front. Right. So is that applied here? So we'll reach out to the supplier and say, Hey, you know, we're going to pay up front. So can we get that discount? And all that passed to the customer. Right. So there are things like that that we found just actually last week, I was um, processing a deal myself uh, and had identified things we saved the customer $25,000 mm. um, just, just by reading the, the supplier book and saying, well, this, this uh, application it isn't correct. Uh, this should be pulled off the invoice. And of course, all of that passes on to the customer. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. I want to ask you this because I know you, you know, tout your, you and your company more as a construction company than a fintech company. Kind of share with me a little bit about that. Yeah. So we only operate in the construction space. That's mm-hmm. our primary focus. Gotcha. And, you know, I think our, our ethos is that is our customer, right? To us, we, you know, don't even come in the, in the door of this office unless you have a passion for the customer. I hear that. And, um, you know, our customer is different, right? It, it's, you know, it's not consumer driven. It's not as sexy as some, uh, you know, other things may be. These are small business owners a lot of times, um, that are doing, you know, construction work, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it is, is, is more blue collar. And if you can't get excited about that and get excited about helping a, a contractor take their business to the next level, then, um, then you, you shouldn't work here. Right. And Fair so enough. because of that, we really do position ourselves and think of ourselves as more of a construction company mm-hmm. because we're living the same and, and having some of the same problems that our customers have. Right. Right. And we understand them very well. Uh, and we've set up our business really to accommodate those things rather than ignore them and say, well, that's not really our problem. That's our customer's problem. Gotcha. If it's our customer's problem. It's our problem. Gotcha. You, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, that approach because it's like when you talk about, you know, 
uh, like, you know, if somebody were to go uh, to a bank to get a loan and stuff like that, you know, they're not necessarily from the construct construction space. They're just looking at the numbers. And sometimes, you know, and we've talked to uh, other people. We've talked to uh, a past guest. His name is Rashad Tabakawala. He says that sometimes looking at the numbers, uh, you know, if I have to pick between looking at the numbers and looking at the story, I'm going to pick the story because the story tells me so much more. And it seems like you kind of, you know, take that similar approach when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, assessing risk and, and looking at who's a good fit. And but ultimately, who's going to help the customer. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. You yeah. know, the numbers, uh, the numbers don't tell the story. Right. And um, a lot of times they're even the wrong numbers. Fair enough. Right. You should be looking at. Right. 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 For sure. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you this because, you know, I was looking at an article here uh, at the, uh, was this open PR? I'm not even sure where this comes from, but anyway, it talks about how uh, artificial intelligence in the construction space and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and I've seen like, you know, these videos from like Boston Dynamics of like robots, you know, putting up drywall and stuff like that. I want to <laughs> ask you this, man, like what's your take on that? Give me some commentary on how you, because we always see about talking about AI and not necessarily replacing jobs. Maybe sometimes they replace some few jobs and stuff like that. But what's your take on AI in the construction space? What's your, what's your commentary on that? Uh, so particularly, you know, let me start with just technology and construction. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, construction has always been behind in, in technology. Mm. Um, you know, they still fax in their bids, uh, for projects. Mm -hmm. Um, there's still a lot of printing going on, <laughs> right? Uh, right. so, so they're always, it seems like a step and a half behind. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of, uh, that's the opportunity, right? And so, with the with the big you know huge technology boom we've had over the last twenty years, there um, a lot of uh, technology companies are targeting construction because they say look at all these inefficiencies, and um, adoption has has traditionally been an issue uh, to say well this is a historically older uh, group of people right superintendents project managers been, been uh, doing construction twenty plus years right. Uh, and their um, willingness to adopt things uh, is is slower, right? Mm. But what you see now is a lot of breakthroughs in that uh, from project specific tools for project management, like a Procore, right. who who build uh, shameless plug here, who build uh, recently uh, integrated with them. We have an app on their on their project management platform. Mm -hmm. um, but you've seen the penetration that they've made and, and other technology providers, and that's paved the way for so many more new technology companies to come in and um, just make the overall construction industry more efficient. Gotcha. Now, when it comes to AI, uh, there's tons and tons of opportunity for that, okay. uh, whether it's in like quality assurance, uh, in like photos and things like that, okay. uh, meaning... Can you can you span a construction project? Uh, they're all the same thing, right? So, so a room with drywall and metal studs is a room with drywall and metal studs. Can you span that room with a continuous uh, camera and through AI identify um, common um, quality quality issues, right? And absolutely, that that kind of stuff is is in play, right? It is the wiring properly? Is is the electrical box properly secured to the to the metal stud, you know, um, little details like that, that through AI, you absolutely can do construction contracts. Right. Um, it's a, another big thing with AI right now is, you know, reviewing PDFs and being able to like learn from them and identify potential red flags. That's something that we look at now because we, we verify a lot of projects, um, bidding on projects too, right. You're okay. going through a hundred, 200 page, um, you know, plans and specifications, and you have just your one little scope. You know, is it efficient for 10 companies that do, say, um, sprinkler systems to independently all go in and estimate a project? You know, why? You can do some of this stuff automatically so easily, right? right. Um, so I, I think you'll see a, a, a lot there. There's certainly a lot of opportunity. 
um, the thing is, um, it's the adoption rate, right? And I think you can be very optimistic right now because of some of the early technology providers mm-hmm. that, have, that have finally broken through and, and gotten a decent amount of adoption from both general contractors and subs. Together. Thank you for sharing that for sure. I, I appreciate that because I just wanted to get your take on because like we see how AI is kind of like, you know, some people are kind of like, oh, no, like you're going to take our jobs. And some people are like, no, it's just enhancing certain things and stuff like that. So I appreciate you kind of sharing and being transparent about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. No worries. I, I want to go back a little bit because, you know, we, we talked about how we, you know, at the top of the show, how uh, you kind of start in construction at, at, at 16 and stuff like that, you know, two part question. One, tell me about that first day on a job. And then two, what was like a, a, a story or a lesson that you learned uh, that you still implement kind of like in your business and, and go how you go about uh, scaling bill to this day. Yeah, no, I remember so clearly my first day. Okay. Um, so, you know, when you're framing houses, you have your tool belt, right? It goes around uh-huh. your waist. It, it carries your hammer and all your, you know, you take measure, uh, you know, nail gun racks, all, all the stuff that you, you got to have with you. Um, and so, uh, I had my new trusty tool belt, um, and my new hammer, uh, and I was ridiculed. <laughs> I was ridiculed for showing up with with this new gear. Uh, it was a lot like uh, you know Sandlot, uh, where he shows up with his you know his huge hat and his like old the like, crappy baseball glove. Right. And uh, you know, and the, I don't remember the character, but the, you know the mentor guy says here, you know, take my hat, take my glove. Gotcha. Um, I had a very similar moment, and you know, I think about it, actually the team here is sick of me saying this. But I think about it all the time when we do our advertising with photographs. Hmm. And construction is one of the worst stock uh, photo uh, libraries out there where you have this kind of guy with a yellow hard hat and this like, fresh tool belt and this like ridiculous hammer. Um, and it's like showing him, you know, pointing out in the distance with a plan and someone who's in a in a suit, you know, who looks like maybe the owner or something like that. Right. And it's like, this is ridiculous. This is not what kind of, this is not what construction looks like. This is not what a job looks like. Um, so I, I pretty, I mean, I'm actually, uh, I, I kind of prove most <laughs> actually because the team knows when they post something and it looks stupid that I'm like, nope, it can't, it has to look authentic. Right. Um, so that's always been the impact, but it, it, it's, you know, has an effect on all kinds of things. Like how do you relate to a customer? Right. And like right. actually being there and experiencing it and, mm. and, um, knowing their pain points and and i don't mean like their pain points like cash flow things like that i mean right. like the pain point of like dropping a two by 12 when you're sitting on a you know on one of the rafters like literally like that pain kind points. of pain point yeah yeah, literally, yeah like <laughs> what's it like to climb on a roof what right. is it like to be on a scaffold right and, and that kind of thing and just knowing like how do you get your tools from your truck up to the job every day do you do you secure them it's just like all this little stuff right and having that experience um is I just think puts us so much further ahead of, of traditional lenders that want to get in the space and like right. super stuffy, don't understand the customer at all. Right. Um, and, and they don't, they can't solve their pain points. They just don't know it. Exactly. Exactly. And it seems like that's kind of your, you know, a competitive advantage in this space as you scale bill. Cause that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, you know, it's one thing to say, Oh, these numbers don't make sense. And like, you know, it's going to take you X amount of years to be profitable, but it's a whole nother thing to be like, no, but I, I know what their plan is. I, I know uh, that story. So I can know, I know if this will work or that the, uh, the likelihood of something like this will work with their business model and stuff like that. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. For sure. For sure. I want to ask you uh, this really quickly uh, because, you know, uh, so I want to ask you this uh, really quickly uh, because I want to ask you about like your time at at Texas A&M. Tell me about, you know, uh, some of those uh, experiences and uh, any stories you want to share. But also, what kind of student were you? Uh, Uh, well, after my first semester, I was on scholastic probation. Gotcha. Um, I had to get my stuff together. So I went to, uh, Texas A&M for my undergrad and, and uh, Rice, uh, out of Houston, right. uh, for my MBA. And, um, you know, I think both were like super different experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, one, I was just a kid, you know, it teaches you a lot about life too. You're going, 
you put these kids in these situations, they have to like define their life by you know pick, um, determining their major and saying like this is what I'm gonna study and what I'm gonna do when I grow up. And like no one knows what they want to do at that point. And so I, I was no exception. Uh, I had no clue. I ended up just picking the easiest thing after uh, after I got on scholarship probation. Gotcha. So I was a political science major. And it was something that I love, right? I, I well, love. It's something I found really interesting. I said, that's a cool idea. Uh, and, you know, I worked all the way through school. Uh, so, um, I, you know, I, I didn't take it all that seriously. I graduated, thank God, right. um, and got, got the degree and, you know, moved on past that. Uh, big difference from MBA, right? Uh, business right. school was, I, I loved the, the kinds of things that I was learning uh, every day. Uh, it was a lot, lot um, so Rice is a private school, so a lot, a lot smaller. Right. And so I was able to, you know, meet my classmates and have a whole nother relationship. Um, at A&M, it's like all the classes are so large that it's like you, you don't really have any of the same classes with the same people. And you don't, you definitely don't have a personal relationship with the professor, professors most of the time. Gotcha. Uh, Rice is a totally different experience. We have that intimate, you know, closeness with both your, your, uh, classmates but also the professors and just a whole nother level of interest it's like i i could immediately apply these kinds of things um and contribute to class discussion and just to me business school is such a advantage of just learning so many different things and and having that broad business foundation so whether we're talking about medical transportation insurance construction you know i can jump in and and participate on, on a conversation and, and, and really just jump right in. Right. I, I don't need, um, and, and just know when to ask questions. They were, I don't understand that. Well, you know what? I have a strong foundation. If you can't explain that to me, then this is, this is your problem, not my problem. Right. Right? I should be able to, you know, understand pretty much any business concept. Um, so yeah, I, I had a, a great time, but very different experiences, right. Uh, between us. And, uh, I would also recommend anyone considering, you know, going to business school to, to take that plunge because, um, I took, to me, it's paid like 10 X dividends. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Hey, Chris, man, what's your entrepreneurial superpower? I mean, it, it's being impatient. Okay. Uh, it's, okay. it's my biggest strength and my biggest weakness. Mm. Um, wh- why, why is this taking so long? Why, what, if it's taking two hours, why can't we do it in an hour? Gotcha. If it's taking an hour, why can't we do it in 30 minutes? I hear that. Why is this initiative six months? Let's do it in a month. It can't be that hard. Let's do it. Gotcha. Right? And, and so it's that impatience, I think, um, drives and sets this culture of execution. And, you know, we get a lot of things done and we're really proud of that too, about that. how efficient we are. And we like leave these other guys with dust right. um, on how fast we can move. So um, definitely superpower but also uh super weakness you know and right. there is certainly a time in life uh both in business and in life to be patient and uh you know it can it can be uh it can be tough sometimes you, sword, right? you know you're always you're tapping your feet going okay hurry up hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> Gotcha. No, I understand that. You know, it's funny you mention that because we a few weeks back, we had on Daniel Scribner and he's uh, he's he's a tech guy and he uh, worked for both Jack Dorsey at Square and Steve Jobs at Apple. And he said that. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that he said was very similar to what you're saying is that they were both like what's one of those things that they both do well or like just kind of like, you know, leads to the success that they've had. He said they're both uncompromising. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and they do yeah. that not just for the people that work for them or work with them, but they have that for themselves as well. But they mm-hmm. also said that sometimes that that can be, once again, a double edged sword and stuff like that, because there's been times where uh, maybe I should have kind of like, you know, shifted just a little bit. Uh, so I, I yeah. appreciate you sharing that and being transparent about that for sure. Yeah, I think I try to focus on what what's really best for the team and how do I, how do I, how do my actions, um, motivate, uh, and encourage the team. Gotcha. And that's really what it's about. I'm not building a company. 
the, the team is building the company. Gotcha. And Indeed. it's one of the lessons I learned pretty early on because uh, this is my second uh, business to start. Right. But the first one wasn't private equity back. So it was a very different experience. Um, and so now I have like a team of people uh, and I've got no like, you know, it's just me. Uh, so I started early and to do a lot of things myself and realized that I'm not really good at almost all of them. Gotcha. So how do I create an environment that number one, that attracts the most talented people out there and, and two gives them um, the motivation to really run with their skills. Right. And uh, I'm not sure I'm good at it, but it's something I'm very, very focused on uh, right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask a quick follow up because you talked about, uh, you know, your team and stuff like that. I, I saw, uh, you know, on the website that, you know, you just hired Eric Reynolds not too long ago as the chief risk officer uh, for the mm -hmm. company there at Build and stuff like that. Let me ask you this, man. How do you go about evaluating talent? How do you go about evaluating this person is a great fit, not only for this role, but for the culture of Build? Yeah, another uh, super weakness. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we've, we've been pretty lucky. Okay. Eric's uh, phenomenal. Um, we've got really lucky with him. Mm -hmm. Some of that's luck, uh, but I, I read this book um, called Who, uh, which which goes through a CEO and, and his journey and uh, really devoting his, uh, his kind of career to putting all of his responsibilities aside and going out and finding the best people mm. and having a process to identify the best people for the company. And so, um, we take it very seriously and the, the process is probably flawed, but we have for most roles, we have at least five or six people interview, which is, um, you know, anywhere between 20 and 30% of the company. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then we haven't spent a day in the office. So that, that ends up being pretty enlightening right? because you can see their comfort level, right? You can see some of the nuances you don't see and we, we put them to work, right? So they come in and, uh, we just do our thing all day, right? They send in on meetings. We ask them to participate. Um, sometimes you see things like we're, we're, I'm very, uh, anti Mr. Know-it-all, right? So we'll see sometimes people come in and they try to be Mr. Know-it-all mm -hmm. and, Part of that's probably that they want to impress people, but they want to impress people in the interview. They're going to try and impress people when they work here too. Gotcha. And it's not about being, you know, the one that has all the flashy ideas. It's really who can listen, um, who can collaborate uh, with the team, who can um, not contribute when it's not time to contribute, right? Gotcha. And it's not their expertise. Right. Who can ask the right questions too, mm. right? And so we find that that process works uh, great, especially with senior folks. And it weeds out people that they just, um, they're not a good fit, right? It's not a good fit for them. Right. Um, maybe it's the kind of cavalier office environment that they might, they may not appreciate. Um, you know, maybe it's the music in the background they don't love, Right. but we, we can, we can sort through a lot of that by having that, you know, one day, it's not even an interview. It's just coming. You also just assess the technical uh, mm -hmm. competency. It's like, do you know what you, do you know anything about this? Do you really know anything now that we're talking about hands-on stuff? Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate that. And before we uh, wrap up with Chris Doyle, I just want to say, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. You gave amazing content, amazing value uh, and everything. I really enjoyed uh, your time on the show. And once again, Startup Nation, the website is build B I L L D.com. If you're listening on radio and if you're listening to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access. All right, Chris, man. So look, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because there's a, a startup founder or somebody out there that's having a tough time. Uh, you know, quite discouraged with everything going on. Give some words of encouragement to take us out for today. If you would, please, sir. Oh man. So, uh, yeah, encouragement. Well, there's two. If you have a business, you know, my, my whole mantra right now is if you have a business that's struggling, um, do whatever you can to keep the business on it. Don't sink the ship, right? The best, absolute best thing you can do for your business, for your employees, for your family, for your, for your, your employees' families is keep the business alive. If it means trimming up in certain areas, then do it, right? Because it gives you the opportunity to hire them back down the road. 
Um, anything you can do to keep the business running, do it. Um, for those that haven't started a business, do it. I mean, get in. It's fun. It's exciting. You're going to love it. You'll have the time of your life. Whether it's successful or not, it's just so enlightening. You are able to do so many fantastic things. And uh, to me, there's no other way but, but you know, starting and, and running small businesses because it, it's just every day is exciting. You have such a close relationship with your team um, and you're just able to make an impact in the industry. So you know, getting off that line is the hardest part. Uh, so anything, you know, you can do, like, just do it, just get off the line. I hear that. Get off the line, Startup Nation. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Christopher Doyle, thank you so much for coming on the show once again. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life. And we are done, my man. Thank you so much for your time, your content, and your energy. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dominic. Appreciate it. Do you have any questions for me before I let you go? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, thanks for the time. All right, no worries, man. I'm going to let you go. You have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.